You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. For Palm Sunday and for Easter Sunday, we're actually going to take a, a two-week break from our study through Romans. We've been in Romans for a while, but we're going to talk about Palm Sunday today, and then we're going to talk about Easter uh, next week. Uh, the, this is the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday. It carries through uh, to Good Friday, and then it ends next Sunday at Easter. Uh, it's a ceremonial week commemorating uh, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. His, his death on the cross, and then ultimately his resurrection. So needless to say, we're in a week uh, here that evokes just this whole array of emotions uh, here. And so uh, let's begin by reading our section, our, our passage today that describes the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and talk about why do we celebrate Palm Sunday in the first place. And as you can see, our title is a little bit different. It's going to be the irony of Palm Sunday. Let's read our passage. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew uh, 21, uh, verses 1 through 11 and 15. If not, it's printed in the order of worship uh, as always. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to, to you, uh, who, who shall say uh, the Lord needs them, and, I, and he will at once send them. This took place to fill what the prophet was uh, spoken, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, a foal, a beast of burden. And the disciples went, and he, they did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the coat, and they put their, uh, on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went before him and followed him, and they were shouting, Hosanna! To the King of the uh, Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered into Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they said, Who is this? And the crowd says, It's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Verse 15, But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for the events of Holy Week. May we see the significance of those uh, events, not just in a historical way, but in a spiritual way, in a transformative way. Uh, make that clear for us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the recent entry of Russia into the Ukraine uh, has been in the news, and it's been on our minds, and it's been on our hearts, it's been in our prayers. And, and the atrocities, if you follow them, keep mounting up on a daily basis. We have the, the war machines and, and the death and, and the murders. 
and, it, and it's almost more than we can bear to think about. And because of that, we don't just say it's an entry. We've been calling it an invasion. And today in our sermon, we're going to look at another entry, one that is diametrically opposed uh, to the motives and the actions of the Russians, but it's nonetheless less powerful, has the same power. So today, uh, this entry into Jerusalem by Jesus uh, represents a, a call to, to peace and not a call to conflict. The means are totally different. The Russians, based on military might, and Jesus, based on spiritual authority. So we're going to look at Palm Sunday today, the entry of Jesus in, uh, and we're going to look at it uh, in terms of uh, three points. We're going to talk about Jesus' disclosure of his true identity. We're going to talk about the crowd's response to that entry. And then we're going to talk about the religious questioning of Jesus' authority. So those are our three points today, and they're in the order of worship as always. So let's talk about Jesus' disclosure of his true identity here. Verse 21, it says, When they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal, a beast of burden. Uh, as many of you know, uh, I like to stay active and, and be out and about in the community as much as possible. I'm not your kind of office uh, pastor. And uh, I, look, I meet a lot of different people in a lot of different situations that way. Uh, I love going to their workplaces and, and being out. Uh, but here's the thing. I never lead with the fact that I'm a pastor. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, first of all, uh, some of the pastors I've been around, I don't want to be affiliated with, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not your typical pastor. Uh, I mean, I don't even own a pair of khakis, if you're wondering. Um, and, uh, and, and let's admit it, sometimes I just don't fit the part. But, but second of all, here's, here's another part of it too. Uh, after I get to know folks and they find out that I'm a pastor, they start acting different around me. And I, and I can't stand that. Uh, recently I had a guy that uh, just had found out after knowing me for quite some time, uh, somebody said, Pastor James, and he said, you're a pastor? And I said, yes. And I, he said, immediately he said, I hope I didn't do anything or say anything that offended you. Uh, and I told him this, I said, here's the only way you can offend me. Start acting totally different than you used to around me. That's the only way you can uh, now that you know that I'm a pastor. And uh, this is kind of what we've been seeing with Jesus uh, leading up to this passage. But this is the first time in the Bible that Jesus fully allowed himself to be revealed for who he was, the Messiah. Now, probably some of the reasons were the same reasons that I don't like to leave with the fact that I'm a pastor, but, but there's much more with Jesus that's at stake, much more at stake. Why? Because the claims that the people are, are, are acknowledging him for in this passage, if the Roman government found out about that, how do you think they would feel about someone saying, hey, I'm the king of kings uh, in, the, in the Roman Empire? Uh, but his time had not come. 
Until now, he knew that the, the Romans would out, be after him in some way. Now he announces his arrival for the first time. He fulfills prophecy. We see the prophecy that was read that, that he fulfilled. He fulfills his long-awaited role as Messiah to the people, and he knows what's at stake, and he steps into the role at just the right time. So let's see what the response of the people are going to be when he makes this radical announcement here. So let's look at point two, the crowd's response to his entry. Verse six says, the disciples went and they did as Jesus had directed them and they brought a donkey and a colt and they put them on their cloaks and said, he, and he said on them, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him uh, that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, he comes into Jerusalem and he announces his role by fulfilling prophecy. And they are hungry for it. And there's an immediate recognition by the Jewish people. Uh, there's many things about the way he entered in and the way he was even received uh, that pointed him clearly being uh, the Messiah, the Savior, the King. Uh, he rode a donkey, which is not a sign of humility, it's a sign of royalty, actually. Um, he, they, they spread their cloaks on the ground like they would a king returning back from war. Uh, they, uh, the palm branches and uh, were waved and then spread on the road, other things like that. This is, a not, this is not just saying, welcome to our town. This is saying, thanks for coming, Messiah, long-awaited king. We're ready for you. Uh, and not only that, they respond with Hosanna. And that's not a, a, a term that we use a lot. Hosanna doesn't just mean, you know, hail to the king or just praise you. That's part of the word, but literally Hosanna Right? Literally what it means is, please save us. That's what Hosanna means. So they're crying out to him as king, and not just as king, but saying, please save us. The crowd is longing for the Messiah, and they are clinging to hope that God is sending them a rescuer, and they embrace and they praise Jesus, but not all are thrilled by his arrival. Now we would expect the Roman government to be concerned about someone coming in and claiming to be king kings. But the opposition is from the people, and this happens to Jesus all the time, that you would least expect it, the religious folks. Let's look at uh, Roman numeral three, the religious questioning of Jesus' authority. Verse 10, and when he entered uh, Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he had did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. See, in the midst of all this praise, in the midst of all these things going on, these wonderful things that they were seeing, prophecy fulfilled before their very eyes, there were a group of people, mainly the religious leaders, who were not happy, and they were completely unwilling to praise the Lord. Not only were they unwilling, but they were start trying to stop the children from, from praising God um, in this. So here's a lesson for us all. Uh, and, and we look at, we read things like this in the Bible, we think, ah, you know, uh, these religious folks. But before you start pointing fingers, remember this, uh, in this story, in a lot of stories, we would probably be the religious folks. We, we are those people. Uh, for all our church activities and Bible talk, 
it would be easy for us to miss some things that God's doing in the world just because we're wrapped up in religion more than we are looking for the things that God is doing out in the world. I pray that doesn't happen. I pray that we don't take a God moment and turn it into something negative. And it was tragic here, but not only that, but they begin to conspire to kill him, and later it does happen. Right now, there's a, there's a lot of things going on in our world and our lives that cause us grief and despair. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, just before church today, and they were talking about the idea, when you look at the world around you, he's like, it just looks like everything's just uh, hopeless. And I said, man, I understand that. Uh, however, in the midst of situations in the world, uh, in the midst of situations in our own lives, uh, we are to continue to be faithful by looking for God at work in the world many times when we least expect it. We are walked by faith and not by sight. Jesus, God is doing something in the world right now, and it may not look like it to you. Pray that he would give us faith and the eyes to look redemptively at the world and see those moments when they're happening, but in his timing and in his manner, not our own. And right now, uh, because of some of these struggles that we all have, uh, maybe you are not the present just finding it hard on this Palm Sunday to praise God. Uh, maybe you're looking at, you were looking around earlier, everybody else in the room, and you were, that we were praising God, and you just were wondering, why can't I join in? Uh, it was tragic that the people in the story uh, missed a big God moment. It's also tragic that the people didn't understand and recognize God's timing. See, biblical uh, uh, prophecy was being fulfilled before their eyes. So many things pointed to God at work, but they missed it by being wrapped up in their own selves, their own world, wrapped up in the things that they were concerned about the most. And by doing so, they missed God's work right in front of them. So when, when, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, uh, he's met with a, by many with a hero's welcome, and he's honored welcome, a kingly welcome that we've seen today. This is what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus enters in the way a king would, uh, and palm branches are thrown at his feet. But by the time he gets to Jerusalem, the religious leaders, not Rome, the religious leaders are conspiring to kill him. And Jesus knows all this. The prophecies have, have predicted it. He's not, he's not uh, entering in just to receive the accolades. He knows he's marching to his death. Uh, and he is, for all intended purposes, at this point, a dead man walking. Which brings us to the irony of Palm Sunday, which is the last thing I want to talk about today. Let's be reminded of this. The cross, a symbol of execution, of Jesus' crucifixion, becomes one of the most celebrated symbols of hope in history. It's been said that the victories of God are cleverly disguised uh, by a series of things that look like defeats. I mean, think about it. What looked like the darkest moment in human history, the death, the killing, the murdering of the Son of God turned out to be God's finest moment of saving humankind. Think about this today. In your most defeated moments, in your most hopeless moments, in your darkest moments, those are the times that we should not think that God abandoned us, but we should be opening our eyes to say, God, I know this is when you step in. That's when you look for God the most in those moments. Most of the time in unexpected ways, and not in our timing, in his timing. But these are the moments that we learn to trust and, and have faith and depend on God 
and see his power and grace like ever before. See, without death, there's no resurrection. Without trouble, there's no need for hope. Without sickness and pain and suffering, there's no need for, need for healing. Um, without brokenness in the world, there's no reason for grace and mercy. Uh, and, and we know there is death and sickness and suffering and pain in the world. And when we acknowledge that, we know God acknowledges our need. Uh, and he did something about that. He sent his son into the world to heal and save and restore what has been lost and what has been broken. So the question is, will you admit that today? That, that you and I uh, and the world is, are, are broken and we're in need of a savior? When you admit that, it's not a sign of weakness. When you admit that, it's not a sign of hopelessness to say, I'm in a bad place, I'm broken, I need a savior. When you do that, all hope is not lost. It's just the opposite. That's when God will step in and work in a miraculous way and intervene in your world. Trust him in those moments. See, here in the end, think about how far the Father would go and has gone to extend his love to us, to allow his innocent son to be executed that we might have, uh, uh, we might experience life. What looked like the worst event in the history of the world became a beautiful picture of love. God invites us to experience his generous favor uh, and to become a part of his family forever. He destroyed his family so that we might have a family. So on this Palm Sunday, Let's learn from what happened in the events of Jesus' life uh, over 2,000 years ago uh, to ensure that in the midst of hopeless times like we live sometimes, and in the midst of the hopeless things in your life, that we will give praise to God, that we will trust God, we will depend on Him uh, and, and thank Him uh, for Jesus, our Savior, in the midst of hopeless times, and that we will submit to His timing in the world, not ours, and not be so wrapped in our own concerns that we miss the God moments uh, that are important in our lives and have been important in the past in Christianity. Let's think about that as we come to the table today. Father, God, thank you uh, for this reminder on Palm Sunday that we can't do it on our own. And we are people that are tired of doing it on our own. Uh, but help us to have uh, the confidence in you and the faith to admit it. Uh, give us eyes to see what you're doing in the world, uh, not just globally, but what you're doing in the lives of our neighbors and our community and in our family. Help us to not miss those because we're wrapped up in the way we think things should be or we're wrapped up in what should be going on uh, by way of how we think it should play out in our timing. Help us to submit our agenda and our plans to you and, and feel that peace and hope that comes as a result. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.